The following presentation has been prepared by the Video Tax News team for Canadian tax and financial professionals. Program recorded April 27th, 2023. Enjoy! Welcome to the May edition of Life in the Tax Lane. Happy to have you back this post-ish T1 season. Joe Hugh, how are you doing? Pretty good over here, Caitlin. I mean, a bit of a challenge this personal tax season, especially with the strike going on. But I think for the most part, we survived. Hugh, you alive? Well, it's nice to have all those online services and not be as reliant on personal contact with CRA. That's for sure. Uh, it's nice to have the personal tax season behind us and get back to real life. I don't know about you, but I need to make a trip to the grocery store because <laughs> things run out during personal tax season. No kidding. And one of the challenges we see when we go to the grocery store, shrinkflation, the size of the packages of the goods that we are getting, they are getting smaller and smaller. Well, what we have here referenced in the show notes is an article that discusses the intersection of shrinkflation with the Excise Tax Act and the whole concept here that as the packages shrink and get smaller, we may see a conversion from some non-taxable supplies of basic groceries into snack size containers that are going to be subject to GST, HST. So definitely an aspect that I hadn't ever considered in the context of this shrinkflation world. Now, Caitlin, the next thing I wanted to talk about is uh, the mandatory disclosure rule. So this has been a work in progress for the last few years here. But we finally got legislation that is tabled, um, which would really require um, many transactions to be reported to CRA. Even if they didn't seem too aggressive, they may, may still be caught by these rules. Um, so the big thing here is the timing of this. Uh, this would be effective upon royal assent, which could happen pretty much any time, depending on how fast they get this legislation through. So we got to be careful. We might be doing a deal right now that we're going to have to report under these rules. So we're watching out for that. This mm -hmm. new set of legislation that came out did have some variances from the previous set. Just a couple examples here. The filing deadline uh, has been increased from 45 days to 90 days. Uh, things like indemnity clauses included to ensure that the purchase price reflects liabilities immediately prior to the sale. Um, those types of things would not get you caught by the contractual protection hallmark. Uh, value billing would not be considered in general a contingent fee. Uh, so we do have a couple changes mm -hmm. there, things to watch out for, but uh, it's more of a, it's coming quick, be aware. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we could have done with some more changes, but I think we have what we have. And Joe, we all got to be watching Bill C-47 make its way through Parliament, because when it gets royal assent, the buzzer goes off. It's sudden death overtime now. Um, now, what's not quite as sudden death overtime, and I'm surprised it's taken as long as it has, when we got the rule change for intergenerational business transfers, finance said, uh, we think this needs to be tightened up. We're going to have to make sure this really is a genuine intergenerational business succession transaction. And with the budget, we finally got their draft rules, although it's not in C-47. Maybe because they said, we're going to make this effective January 1, 2024. So we may see some further tweaks to come. I don't know that I want to invest a ton of time on all the technical nuances, but I do know finance is being very clear. We're going to make sure that control passes between the generations, that the older generation's interest in the corporate equity gets frozen out and maybe even eliminated over time. And the young generation has to take over not only control, but all the management responsibilities. 
There may be some specific time frames for getting that done. There's some choices you may be able to make under the draft legislation, but we know it's going to be a lot more specific what has to happen. So I got to look at this and wonder if I've got a family that's looking at that intergenerational succession, do I like the current rules and we better get it done before December 31st? Or am I okay with the potential for these new rules coming in January 124? Or do I even like those changes? And I'd rather push it off. So a little bit to think about over the summer months. Yes. We're going to shift gears, talk about this underused housing tax because it's still around. Remembering that this year the government has provided special dispensation, provided you file that return, the UHT return by the end of October. Uh, they're not going to be assessing interest and penalties. So still, I guess now as we finish T1s for the most part, we can now focus on these UHT returns. Uh, and this month, actually, the government has released a ton of commentary related to these common questions we're getting under the UHT return. One question we get sometimes is, okay, I got a file, I'm eligible for multiple exemptions, I'm filing the UHT return online, how do I do that? In that case, uh, you can just click off one exemption, but if CRA comes knocking at a later point in time, um, you can look at other exemptions uh, that would get you out of the tax um, if they have a problem with that one that you've checked on the online filing. So uh, a heads up there. Uh, Joe or Hugh, other questions yeah. we're getting on UHT. You know, Caitlin, I, I got to say one of the biggest areas is what is a residential property? What is caught? Is my Airbnb property caught? Things like that. We got some clarifications that came out. The first thing uh, that they said is a residential property is one that has at least one dwelling cannot have more than three. So it has got to have at least one. And a dwelling consists of, uh, it must have a private kitchen, a private bath and a private living area in it. And they say things like um, uh, boarding houses, bed and breakfast, hotels, motels, rooms and long uh, term centers, they don't have all of those three components. They might have three of them, but they're not all private. Um, that, therefore, there's no dwelling. So all of those ones would be out for that reason. Now, one of the other areas that is is really important to note is um, CRA gave the example of commercial cottages, cabins and chalets being not residential properties. Now we've got clarification as to what they mean. And they say, when we use the term commercial, we don't mean properties that you make money from. We mean properties that are not used for residential purposes. Uh, so, for example, that would be the setup of uh, a motel-like structure where you have multiple uh, unrelated parties coming to stay at the same time. So that's what you built it for. Um, that's uh, Those are the types of situations that we're talking about here. Those those houses that you've converted into Airbnbs, you still got reporting obligations in respect of those ones for the most part. You? Mm -hmm. Joe, there's a lot of other questions that were cropping up on this. And one that I heard a lot early on, it made me nervous, is what happens when we haven't got late dad off title three years after he passed away? Who owns the property? Because I have to look exclusively at title to make that determination. Well, CRA has given us what I think is the fair and friendly answer. They said, well, if dad, the deceased individual, is still a person who can be required to file a UHT return, then that deceased person must continue onwards entirely for UHT. So if they would have been an excluded person, not required to file a citizen, for example, during their lifetime, 
then we're still going to say they're a citizen excluded from filing post-mortem. Because I think a lot of those exceptions wouldn't have worked that well for a deceased taxpayer. Now, if they weren't a citizen, they were an affected owner because they were neither a citizen nor a permanent resident. Okay, now you got to file. And it may be hard to squeeze into those exemptions, but that's certainly not the majority of cases most of us who don't live really close to the border are going to see. Uh, the other scary one they commented on was since it's based on title, what if you're in one of the provinces where land titles is backlogged? Yeah. Well, if you're still on title December 31st, the fact that you sold effective September 1 doesn't remove your filing obligation. And I find that really scary. How are you going to know that you're not off title yet? So if you sold summer of last year, you may want to check title and make sure you don't have a filing obligation. Oh, that's, that's definitely a scary one. Uh, another issue we want to talk about is coming out from the 2023 federal budgets, significant changes to the alternative minimum tax AMT regime. And by way of a refresher, that's kind of a separate regime uh, where you figure out kind of the tax liability based on these special rules, uh, fewer deductions, fewer credits available under the AMT regime. And if that's more than is taxable under the kind of the typical tax regime, you'd have to pay AMT tax. We typically saw that um, where we got the capital gain exemption in the past. What we have now are even proposed further restrictions on the ability to get deductions and credits under the AMT regime. We also have in budget 2023, the proposal to significantly increase the exemption under the AMT tax, meaning that perhaps more individuals, lower income individuals uh, may not be subject to AMT. So just a heads up there, these proposals are penned to come into effect 2024 and future years. So for 2023, we're still under the old regime. So heads up on this change, uh, proposed change from budget 2023. That's all we got time for. The Video Tax News team has been providing Canadian accounting professionals with practical tax information for over 40 years. Subscribe to one of our tax newsletters or join us as we present live and pre-recorded seminars relating to both personal and corporate tax. For more information, go to videotax.com. The preceding information is for general information purposes only and deals with dynamic, time-sensitive and complex matters that may not apply to particular facts or circumstances. Information provided should not be relied upon as a substitute for specialized professional advice in connection with any particular matter. For more information, go to videotax.com slash disclaimer. Copyright Video Tax News Inc. 2023. All rights reserved.